Welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgeman. I'm so glad you could join us tonight. My friends, there's a movement around the world to create change for the betterment of all of us. It is no secret that in order for us to create positive, effectual change, we need to vote. We need to exert our right to vote. That being said, today we have somebody extremely special right here in the studios of On Point with Rachel Turgeman, our commissioner, Daniela Levine-Cava, who's running for Miami-Dade County Mayor. She has brought over 40 years of helping our multicultural communities year after year, day after day. She has proven to be a change agent for Miami-Dade County and beyond. I'm so happy to have you here, Commissioner Daniela Levin-Cava. God bless you. Thank you so much, Rachel. We've known each other a long time. I'm a big yes. fan and I'm really excited about this show. Thank you very, very much for having me on today. Well, I want to congratulate you for running for the seat of Miami-Dade County Mayor. Congratulations. So tonight, the purpose of the show, I want to let our thousands and thousands of viewers get to know more about you. How about that? Sounds wonderful. Let's begin with your upbringing. Where were you born? I was born in New York City. Yay. Uh, yes, in Morningside Heights, if anyone near the George Washington Bridge. Beautiful. And then when I was three, we moved to the suburbs, to Westchester County, Ossining. Uh, and I had my elementary school years there. Then I moved to Vancouver, Canada. Beautiful. Yeah. After that, uh, back to um, New York. I grew up in New York, by the way. Oh. Okay. That's why I say, yeah, I grew up in New York. And then it got too cold, so we came down to Miami. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you this. In growing up, I'm sure that your parents instilled upon you invaluable values, if you will. Would you like to share that with our viewers tonight? Yes, thank you so much. People ask me why I'm so involved in, in public service and community service. That was truly how I was raised. My mom was a social worker. My dad was uh, a businessman. And we did travel also to Brazil and Chile. Uh, on my own, I lived in London, Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. in Chicago, so I live many, many places. And, uh, you know, it was really great. I'm 64, going on 65. But in my no day... going to believe you. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll do another show Thank on cosmetics and creams. Yeah. Well, you I have this fabulous. very nice gray coming along. I think it's a nice highlight, actually. Some people put it I in on it. purpose, but mine is natural. No, um, no, I love it. <laughs> so I um, got a chance from a young age to be exposed to lots of different cultures and nationalities. And it really was humbling, right? I mean, because I think in growing up in the United States, so many of my peers didn't know any other world. Now we're much more international. Young people have a lot more experiences. We have so many nationalities. But at the time, it was really a unique experience and gave me a very broad picture on the world. Helped me understand uh, humility that, uh, you know, we weren't the best. We weren't, the world was not revolving around us and that we needed to really uh, be kind uh, and understand. So and, now I understand why you love our multicultural community. Yes, yes. Oh my God, you. for years I've been watching you go to all these meetings and mm -hmm. fighting for our rights. Amazing. So you uh, went to law school where? I went to Columbia University Law and 
Graduate School of Social Work, and I did the degrees together. I was able to design a degree to do it in four years instead of five, which was great. Wow. Uh, and actually, as it turned out, I moved to Miami in my last year to be with my future husband. So I ended up doing my last year of law school at University of Miami. Beautiful. And did you go to Yale University? I did undergraduate Yale. And um, very important fact, the first time I ever ran for office was for student council president at Yale. And, and I'm was, not surprised. Yes, and I was the first woman uh, president of the student council at Yale. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So now, Commissioner, you are running for a very, very, very important seat here in Miami-Dade County. What made you run for the seat of Miami-Dade County Mayor? Well, let's start with why I ran for county commission, because I was not planning to be a politician. I was very active in community change. I founded a nonprofit, Catalyst Miami, 20, well, I ran it for 18 years. It used to be called Human Services Coalition. I remember it's, that. That's exactly right. So I started it, and it was to try to lift people out of poverty and to help them become more active in civic life. So uh, about 10 years into it, we changed the name to Catalyst Miami very very proud of that organization and uh, i left it when it was 18 years of age ready to go out on its own and decided to run for office so i ran for county commission because i thought that the county commission was going in the wrong direction and it was time for me to step up and try to go inside government to make the changes that were needed so six years i've served it's been a wonderful wonderful journey we've been able to address uh, environmental issues transit uh, helping small businesses, nonprofits, the environment. It's been really a, a, a great ride. You know uh, what it is, Commissioner Daniela? You have such a love for our diverse communities, but you're not a person that just talks, you're a person that does. Well, thank you. Action-oriented individual. Yes, thank you. you I am a real problem solver. If I see something, I want to fix it. You know, we have now uh, for the campaign a, a new slogan, they broke it, she'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> we have no doubts. So, um, yes, no, I will, go ahead. I, I will, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, we why I'm running for mayor is that really we have major challenges, but we also have huge opportunities, like the beautiful skyline behind you in your picture. Yes. Miami is, is really, in my mind, it is the epicenter of the world. It is the, the, the place where so many countries and cultures and people and trade and, uh, culture comes together in a way that is very, very dynamic. People want to be here because we are a very exciting place. And we need to find ways to make that really work, not just for the visitors, but for the people who live here. So I am very excited to open up new approaches to economic development, more cultural um, and more equitable. Uh, so especially now with COVID, we have some real challenges. So I'll be stepping into office at a time when we'll have to really think about our economy in a new way. Well, now that you brought up COVID, I wanted to ask you this. If you were the mayor right now, during the midst of COVID-19, how would you and your administration be handling COVID-19? Would it yes. be any different? Quite. I've been quite critical of the way that our mayor has handled it and our governor because we had the information we had from the White House and from the CDC exactly what we needed to do from a public health perspective. We did not do it. Starting in March, we should have been actively, massively testing. You might remember it was only people over 65 who had symptoms 
that were even allowed to be tested at the beginning. Think about that. Now we know all ages are vulnerable and people are walking around with the virus with no symptoms. So they are spreading just like everyone else. So we missed the opportunity to start with the massive testing, but more important even than that was to trace where the infections were arising and then be able to tamp down on it. That's the contact tracing. And then finally, not everybody can isolate safely in their homes. They have uh, other family members that then would be exposed, people who are coming and going. So it is really critical that we have safe places for people to isolate. So those three steps, the massive testing, the robust contact tracing, the isolation were not in place. And so here we are, almost August, and we are one of the worst in the world for the spread of this. Infection. Our numbers have escalated horribly. Yes, horribly. and we opened too soon. We had an, a very elaborate approach for businesses to open and the pre precautions were well stated. They were well developed. We did spend a half a million dollars with a consulting firm, which we did not need to do to get those. But nonetheless, they were very well developed. But without the parallel public health system in place, it was unfortunately an empty promise. Unbelievable. So you are a woman, you're an attorney, you're out there in the trenches, truly helping. What does it mean being a woman and running for this very important position, especially now during the Centennial Amendment 19? Yes, isn't it incredible? Here yes. we are a hundred years after women's right to vote and there's never been a woman mayor of Miami-Dade County. So I tell people, it's not that it takes a woman to get the job done. I'm just saying that it hasn't gotten done right. Mm -hmm. So I think that as a woman, I bring certain qualities to the, to the office. Uh, certainly my persistence, my compassion, my uh, collaboration, uh, and uh, the fact that I really don't put a lot of ego into it. It's about getting the job done. That's right. number one. And you're great at collaborating and bringing organizations together, together getting things done. Thank you. you. From someone like you who does exactly that too, that's a real credit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so Commissioner Daniela, let's talk a little bit about, you know, your effectiveness. I mean, I know there's a bunch of people running uh, for mayor. Uh, what makes you think, uh, what will you know, not think, why do you know that you're going to be the most effective person, the most effective candidate when you win, if you win on August 18? Tell our viewers. Well, first, let me say that if I did not think I needed to do it, I wouldn't do it. I really am doing it because I know that I'm the person that is needed at this time to step up to get the job done. So I have uh, six other candidates and opponents in the race, three of them that are less well known and then four of us who are already in office or have been. Uh, let's uh, include Mayor Alex Pinellas, the former mayor who has not been in public life in 16 years. Then we have uh, my colleagues on the commission right now, uh, Steve Bovo and Xavier Suarez. So uh, that's uh, the four of us who are in the lead, so to speak. And, uh, you know, each of these brings good qualities to the office, uh, but they are all three career politicians. And, uh, you know, I'm really the fresh face. I'm not the, I'm not the status quo candidate. I'm the person that is well known for being fair, for being honest and transparent, for listening to all sides before making a, a decision. 
And I've had many people who have served, for example, under the former mayor, Alex Pinellas, have said, many who have said to me that they do not think they will get a fair shot uh, in, with him in office and that they support me because they know that I will be balanced and I will not be a pay to play mayor. Absolutely, you've always been a fair person without a doubt. Let's turn over to the Black Lives Matter movement. Where do you stand with that? You know, we all saw this man murdered in broad daylight, George Floyd. It happened during the height of the COVID epidemic. People were home, they were watching, and our eyes were opened as a nation, actually as, as a world. It has taken off across the world as an opportunity to look at ways that certain groups have been uh, the subject of persecution, of bias, of prejudice. Look, racism is as old as this country. It is not something that is restricted to the police department, but police have a very important role in public safety. And if they are not trusted by key parts of our community, which they are not because of this very sad legacy of persecution. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do believe there's a very small percentage of oh, that. Oh, yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I'm not about defunding the police. I've lobbied for more money for the police over the time that I've been in office. We brought 80 additional police officers to South Dade as our population was growing. I'm just tweeting the bad ones out. Yeah, we do. And we need to have checks and balances because when you have a lot of power, you have to have accountability. And while it's true that there are various police agencies that review cases, there's really no opportunity for the public to be part of exploring when there when there is misconduct. And not everything that the public uh, brings up would be validated. And by the way, we have these cameras. The cameras are a great thing. Uh, and they often vindicate the police for charges that the public might bring. But it's a matter of creating trust. So communities of color, particularly black communities, uh, have raised their children to fear the police. They, that's unfortunately what happens. And then there's a lack of uh, coordination on crime investigation. We can't solve murders like these two little girls that were tragically murdered uh, last week. Yeah, that was you know, horrible. this is horrible. And the neighbors have not come forward despite a more than $50,000 award because they more fear retaliation in their community than they, uh, than they are willing to take to come forward with information that they might have. So we have to create a new relationship of these communities with the police. And I do believe that this uh, independent civilian panel is the way to do that. That to be said, the majority, the vast majority, of course, of our police force are doing a great job. I'm very proud of our police department and I stand with them. Excellent. Now I know that you've been a staunch supporter of human rights all of your life, for sure. And your actions, again, precede you. Uh, talk to us a little bit about you know women fair rights and 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 fair you know face uh, fair paying for all sure, of us. Can you expand sure. on that a little bit? Yeah. So as a woman, I never really faced uh, outright bias I, that I could feel. So I really took it for granted. I stood on the shoulders of the great women before me, and I really didn't focus on women's rights. I have to confess until I came into county government, and right after I was elected. I was contacted uh, by San Francisco, actually, where they have the 
a city that adopted the UN Convention to End Discrimination in All Forms Against Women. And they said to me, there are many cities across the United States that have adopted this convention. Uh, it's a UN convention, a UN treaty that the United States has not adopted. So the cities had gone ahead, but there was no county that had adopted it. And they said, what about Miami-Dade becoming the first county? Well, of course, I thought that was just a great idea. And I went to our commission for women and started talking about it even before I took office. So then working with the commission and working with our county's attorney's office, we came up with the legislation. And fortunately, my colleagues agreed. And now every year we have a status on the condition of women, pay, health care, education, uh, and so on. And we've exposed the fact that we have a huge gap, 87 cents on the dollar for the same job a woman makes as compared to a man. And for uh, black women, it's much lower in the 60 cents Not range good. and for Hispanic women too. So it is really a shameful thing. We've been able to change some laws. So now if you have a contract with the county, you must sign a pay equity agreement. So, but by the way, as mayor, we'll monitor those things. You can create a law, but if nobody is really tracking it, then right. it will continue. So we have, have to really, we have to have checks and balances. Let's take a few seconds. I want to thank all our advertisers. Okay, I'd like to begin with Jose Milton Foundation. Thanks to you also, Daniela Levine Cava. Thank you for supporting us. Kathy Fernandez Rondo, Mike Mirabad, Jackson Health Foundation, Attorney Nicole Alvarez, Zaposnik Insurance, Survivors Pathway, we also have a Hinaldo de Broward, Hispanic Women of Distinction, United Home Care, Catholic Hospice, and of course, Anthony D'Amato with Toyota of North Miami. I want to thank again all our advertisers because without them, as you know, Commissioner, and without your support as well, you know, this program could not be possible. Talking about discrimination, well, if you should win on August 18, how would you ensure for all our viewers that are watching you tonight? How would you ensure dealing with gender and, and racial and economic disparities? What would you do differently than the rest of the mayors that have passed yes. this by? Thank you so much for the question. And I am a human rights advocate big time. And we do have a human rights commission in the county. Uh, and unfortunately, it's been understaffed and underfunded so that it takes sometimes six months to process a complaint from the public on all those areas of discrimination. So I did fight for, as commissioner, additional staff to try to bring that down and to educate the public that there is this place to go. People don't know that if there's been discrimination that they can bring it to the attention of this commission and get some, uh, some, some, some relief, some solutions. So I will elevate that as mayor, just as I will elevate my office of equity and inclusion I am going to create that office. It's oh, I like modeled, the name. Yeah. The it's name is modeled fantastic. after something I learned about from Seattle. And uh, that's where they monitor what happens in the county. What, how are we handling our job, uh, our promotions, our procurement? Is it fair? Is it equitable? And, uh, you know, really identifying it so we can take action. And we have to make up for lost time because we have unfortunately left many communities behind. Uh, women businesses, Black-owned businesses, uh, Hispanic businesses too. We have to really fight to make sure that people get access to uh, all the, um, the important resources of the county. Exactly. Well, you know, it's no secret to all our viewers that our infrastructure is archaic, yes. unfortunately. What do you plan to do if you win on August 18 as our new mayor? 
uh, to rebuild it, Commissioner yes. Daniela. Yes, well, you know, uh, we have, as you say, aging infrastructure. It's been neglected by previous administrations. You have to take care of things, just like your house. You have to, you know, clean it and repair it, and you can't let it uh, uh, fall into to disrepair and then be destroyed. Our water and sewer system, for example, we were charged by federal courts with fixing it because we were discharging sewage into the bay. And now we are moving forward on that, but it's moving very slowly. And in the meantime, we keep having pumps to break down or uh, pipes to burst. Uh, so it's it's been really tragic. It has led, it has contributed to the dying of seagrass in the bay, which then affects our fishing. Uh, it's contributed to pollution on our beaches, uh, which unfortunately, of course, help, hurts all of us in terms of health and recreation, but also- But don't be so humble. Don't be so humble because one thing I do know about you you were able to secure $2.6 million to clean up the beach, to clean up the parks, to clean up our water. Come on, <laughs> say it, say it. Well, yes, but much more is needed for sure. And I've even directed that we find the most vulnerable places so we avoid those problems in the future. You know, while we're doing it all bit by bit, uh, you know, we can't be waiting for the most vulnerable spot to burst. We have to be identifying those vulnerable spots and we have to have contracts in place so that if it does happen, we can immediately rescue it, fix it, instead of waiting and spewing sewage for a week, which did happen in Olita uh, mm -hmm. Park area, which was just so tragic. Um, also, I've stopped um, polluting of waters. There was, uh, the state was going to put more chemicals, allow more chemicals into the water, and I weighed in on that. I've been very active. We prevented uh, styrofoam to be used in county facilities, and we stopped fracking uh, to happen in Miami-Dade County. So I've been very vigilant about these things because really without clean water, paradise is gone. Absolutely. And you are a water warrior. You're That's a water right. That's a congratulations. What about the underserved communities? How do you plan to help Commissioner yeah. So my whole career has been focused on creating opportunities and lifting up disadvantaged um, families and neighborhoods. That's what my nonprofit Catalyst Miami has done and is doing a great job. Uh, but as the county, we need to do more. So we need to make sure to invest, not just in the jobs and the procurement issues in the county, but also how are we spending our money in the community? How are we developing pathways for children to get apprenticeships that lead to future jobs, uh, which I plan to partner with the school board to do that. And Good. I've already talked to Superintendent Carvalho about that. Uh, we need to find those areas of most vulnerability and give those children a sense of a brighter future. We also have to help those small businesses, uh, particularly in the black community, where they've been uh, really struggling and make sure that they have mentoring and capital, access to capital, uh, back office support, marketing and the like, uh, so that they can grow and hire more people. Uh, so, you know, we live in a place that is very unaffordable. Our salaries are low, our housing costs are extremely high. We need to find ways to bring our housing within reach. Uh, we've got ways to streamline the permitting and construction process ways to uh, uh, create opportunities to build uh, in county properties more quickly. Also, infill, like if you and I own a home and we have a piece of property, right now we're not able to add a smaller dwelling unit. 
but we should be able to do that and add the possibility for smaller homes that would help the homeowner and the people who are looking for a place to live. And you would also like for the people that are renting to someday own their homes, right? Exactly. And we could, with our county surtax money from the sales of property, we could make us a, a rent to own component. So as people are paying rent there, and, and by the way, in China, that's what they do very often in the government sponsored buildings. Just saying, I heard that was one of their um, successful strategies for getting home ownership in China. If it's, you know, good enough for China, it's definitely good enough for us. Definitely. What about our children, maybe in, when they're little in kindergarten, you know, how do you plan to help our children in underserved communities to, you know, have a little foundation, maybe perhaps a little bit of a monetary foundation? Any ideas on that? Well, I'm really excited you're asking me this question because one of my dreams come true is something called children's savings accounts. And uh, Catalyst Miami, my former nonprofit, has just brought that program to Miami. It started in the city of Miami. The city put in matching dollars, Children's Trust, uh, and they are every giving a, a, a savings account for every kindergartner in the city of Miami that is starts with a little seed amount and over time can be matched. This program has been proven to be the most important way to assure that a child will stay in school and continue a path to post-secondary education. So we hope to go countywide with this program. It oh really God. helps children envision and families get involved. Financial education, many of these families do not have their own savings accounts or, or bank accounts. So they're working together to learn financial literacy. And it's interesting that you're going to do that because you're going to be teaching our children from a very, very tiny age yes. how to save. Because a lot of our youth, they don't know how to save or they don't want to save. Well, and this is savings for something that improves their future so they can get excited and start envisioning what are the possibilities for their lives. Very, very important. Well, unfortunately, Commissioner Daniela Levine-Cava, uh, we're running out of time. I want to thank you so much for your unyielding dedication and commitment to making sure that Miami-Dade County is a better place for all of us. And that is remarkable. I remember, as I said earlier, when we first started the show, you started Human Services Coalition. You are a woman of your word. You're out there in the trenches. You know, you talk to everybody. Oh, you have a problem. Let me see how I can help you. Oh, you have a problem. I've seen you, millions of us have seen you around the county with 2.7 million people in Miami-Dade County living here. You certainly have your work cut out for you. Is there a last minute message uh, and take your time that you would like to let all our viewers know? Now the elections on August 18th coming well, up. For first of all, yeah, let me tell you, this is like the best interview that I've had. Oh, Kudos thank you. to you. <laughs> and thank you know, one thing that we didn't talk about was our mutual uh, involvement in domestic violence programs, because Absolutely. you have been an incredible champion to for the protection of, of people from violence in their homes. And I also started my career working on, on those issues. So I just want to say shout out to you for the great work that you've done. So this election is very important. What happens to this place uh, going forward, getting out of this COVID pandemic, reinventing our economy, making sure people have access to jobs and they still have their places to live because of course they've not been paying the rent so many people out of work. It's it's really a, a tragedy that we're living through, but we can come out of this together. And I'm running because I know that we can have a better future, that we can take care of everybody as we recover. And that is my commitment to really building a community and an economy that will work for everyone and make sure we continue to thrive here in this paradise. Thank you, Rachel.
Thank you so much. God bless you. You've done a fantastic job. We look forward to seeing what's going to happen. We wish you luck for all of your endeavors. Thank you for putting forth all of our diverse communities first on your agenda every single day. Not just now, Commissioner Daniel Levine, that you're running for mayor. You have always done it. You have been consistent with your actions. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. And for all of viewers tonight, thank you so much for joining us on On Point and Rachel Turgerman. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, On Point and Rachel Turgerman. And remember to follow the CDC guidelines. And like I always say, we want a sense of old normalcy, not new normalcy. We want to go back to the old normalcy. So let's protect one another. Be careful this weekend. You know we're having a storm. That too shall pass. Stay inside. Don't go out wandering outside to see what's going on. Uh, God bless you. This upcoming Tuesday, August 4th, we have a big surprise for you. We're going to be interviewing our one and only Miami-Dade County State Attorney, the Honorable Catherine Fernandez-Rundle. She's going to be talking about her platform for re-election. She's amazing. She's really done amazing things to curtail crime, to allow us to get involved more in the uh, criminal justice system. So stay tuned. Take care. God bless you all. Bye-bye for now. No, you're good. <laughs>